In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Dun 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 dun. dun. Carla forgot to prep a <laughs> opening. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> and you just realized that in this moment? Yes. I'm sorry. You stared at me and you didn't say anything. And then I realized I was supposed to start it. <laughs> you know how Carla's list goes, right? All the roles are reversed. I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I really thought you had an elaborate opening bit. No. Built around dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited to see where it was going. <laughs> that was it. Um, bump, bump, bump. Too much pressure. This this thing is this podcast is too much pressure. But up, bump, bump, bump. That sounds like uh, an, uh, I don't know. But up, bump, bump, bump. Are you trying to do something with me? <laughs> I'm trying to help you heighten. Oh. Da dun 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 dun. Anyway. Can you just ta- take over? <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of doing a Carla's List movie is so I have the week off and, y- and you can run the show. <laughs> I don't want to, though. <laughs> Car- um, Carla, we're taking a break from Craigslist this week. You know what I would have done now that I think about it? Mm-hmm. I should have done a Sarah Connor voiceover. <laughs> what would that sound like? It's 2017. Carla's deciding that she's moving to Portland. (laughs) She moves to Portland, understanding that Craigslist is going to be a much bigger challenge. She follows the, the dark road in the middle of the night, driving her way out of the mean streets of Los Angeles. Is that pretty good? That's pretty good. That's a spot on Linda Hamilton. Thank you. Did you just take a picture of me? Nope. Oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry. I'm a such. A, I'm the worst. I'm such a worst. <laughs> you are such a worst. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Terminator Two Judgment Day. Terminator Two colon Judgment Day. This is a 1991 action flick. Directed by James Cameron. It is. You're right. And it's the sequel to the 1984 movie, The Terminator. The 1984 movie? Is that what you said? Uh, That is what I said. Yep. That's right. And it stars Linda Hamilton. Arnold Schwarzenegger. As the titular Terminator. And Edward Furlong. (laughs) (laughs) Edward Furlong, one of the few actors whose last name is a unit of measurement. (laughs) Um, And Robert Patrick. As he- Heather Graham. Heather Graham? Is he isn't Graham a unit of measurement? <laughs> well her her last name is spelled like the cracker. <laughs> as opposed uh to I'm just the, doing word association here. Sure. Uh, um Tony Meter. <laughs> who's that? <laughs> He's an actor that I made up. Uh uh anyways. 
Um, what were we saying? Oh yeah, and Robert Patrick. Who's the titular Terminator? He is. Okay, he is the term. Yeah. No, I think I think Arnold is. Arnold's the Terminator in the title because he's the two. He's the second version of himself. Interesting, interesting theory. Thank you. Could they both be the titular Terminators? I guess there's two Terminators, so that's what it. That's what the title means. Yeah, Terminator Two. They yeah. are the Terminator Two. They are real twosies. <laughs> um. So we decided to do Terminator Two because we had talked about it months ago as being a beloved film of mine from my childhood. What brought it up? Do you remember? Nope. I just remember that we talked about it on one of the episodes, and then people started tweeting, I would love to to hear a Terminator 2 Carla's List. And then we did – it was before Christmas because then we did the holiday movies anyways. Yes. Uh, even though we knew we Defying should our fans. Yeah, exactly. Wishes. And we haven't done a Carla's List since December, I think. That's correct. Not since uh, White Christmas and – Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and I, I don't really have a lot of big budget action movie crowd pleasing favorites on my list. So right. this is actually, it's, it's hitting a genre that I don't really have. Yay. <laughs> uh, nuclear war genre? I don't have anything in the nuclear war genre. I don't have the day after mm. because that's a TV movie. Otherwise, of course, it would be on my list. <laughs> Um, so I first saw this movie in the theater. So this would have been 1991. Yeah. I believe it was the weekend it came out. It must come out in the summer, right? Summer blockbuster. Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense if that's true, because I was trying to wrap my brain around why I went to see this movie with my mom's friend, Gail, (laughs) (laughs) and her kids, Chris and Corey, but perhaps it was summer break and my mom was just trying to get me out of the house. Makes sense. Because I had never seen Terminator. I didn't know what Terminator 2 was. I had no idea what it was about. Wow. I went in totally oblivious and I think it was probably just to get me out of the house. So I was about 11, I guess. Yeah, that would track. Yeah. Had you seen any Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies? Yeah. To- uh, Total Recall had come out before this, right? Yeah, that was the year before, 1990. Yeah, yeah. I had seen that okay. many times. And you liked that? Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a real big deal when I was a kid. Like He was probably the most recognizable, famous actor at the time. He was the biggest movie star in the world at this time. Yeah. Right? I saw. I, I mean, I probably saw... What else had he done? Uh, Predator. I didn't see Predator. Predator's pretty great. I should go back and watch it. Maybe I did see it and I just don't remember. The Conan movies. Oh, had he done Twins already at this point? And uh, Kindergarten Cop? Kindergarten Cop definitely, I think, was around this time. Kindergarten Cop was the first movie that my family went to see on Christmas Day together. Okay. Uh, which was actually kind of late, you know, because I would have already been in college or just out of college at the time we decided to start that tradition. But growing up, we never did a Christmas Day movie. Uh, but for some reason, we just decided to start that tradition with Kindergarten Cup. That's funny. Yeah. So he was, I had seen several of his movies and he was just like a famous guy that I knew. So that's probably how they sold it to me. Um, <laughs> There's a famous guy that you know in it. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody knew him. Um, so yeah, I went to see it and I, 
I don't have a lot of really strong memories from movie watching when I was not in the theater, at least. There's a few, like Beetlejuice, I really remember seeing, which we got a Beetlejuice? Like, yeah, we should cover. Can you put your leg down? I can't see your face. <laughs> Please. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and Beetlejuice, I remember at Home Alone. Beetlejuice? I, stop. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to say it a third I time. I know. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with Beetlejuice today, okay? You just said it! Great. Uh, I think you have to say it in a row. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, I fucking forgot what I was saying. Home alone. <laughs> Not so easy to host, is it? Ugh. Um. With somebody cracking jokes. I don't know that I do that. <laughs> uh. You saw Beetlejuice, you saw Home Alone in the theater. No, that wasn't my point. My point was is that I have very strong memories of seeing those in the theater. Mm. And this would be another one. Because when Linda Hamilton came on the screen, I lost my mind because I was a huge Beauty and the Beast fan, the okay. television show. And I had no idea she was in this movie because there was no internet at the time, or at least I didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. And the only way you knew about celebrities was through magazines or if you went to the library and looked them up. <laughs> so I had no idea that she was in this. I just knew her from Beauty and the Beast and I loved that show. And so when she, when I saw her in this and I saw the character that she was playing, I was just blown away by how amazingly talented she is. Uh, cause they're such different characters. What was she like in Beauty and the Beast? She was a lawyer, but she was like a sophisticated, um, like the whole idea is that she's vain, if I remember correctly. She's vain and then she gets attacked and her face gets cut up. And the beast like takes her down into the sewers and nurses her back to health. And she becomes like more kind or whatever, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so anyways, she was a totally different character. She was the beauty. And in this, she's like fucking kick-ass muscle lady. Mm-hmm. Who takes no shit from anyone. And yeah, so I just remember thinking like, this is amazing. And then as we were rewatching it, and I, when we went, when we started to watch this movie, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about it from the angle of like, oh, strong female character. But then rewatching it, that's totally why I was into it, I think. Sure. I don't remember having ever seen a character like this up until I was 11 years old. You could almost say that Sarah Connor is the prototype for the strong female character in action movies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I just really responded to that. And I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't like think about it in that way. I just thought, oh, this is a fun movie. But rewatching it, cause there's so many movies like this that I could have been watching. Yeah. Uh, but this was the only one that I watched again and again. So I saw this three times in the theater. Wow. I went back with my mom and then I think I went with some friends and, uh, we got it on video VHS and I watched it again and again and again. And it was just, when I was growing up, it was just like one of the classic family movies. (laughs) I have to say that Carla was quoting lines right before they were said on the screen. Uh, probably a couple dozen times throughout this movie, you knew a line verbatim right before it was about to be said. And again, I had no idea that I knew that. 
Like I rewatching it, I didn't realize how many times I had actually seen it. And you think it's been, been about 10 years since the last time you saw it? Well, I think I saw it as parts of it recently on TV. Okay. Every time it's on TV, I watch parts of it at least. Okay. So within the past couple of years, I had seen that the hospital scene again. Um, but I had no idea that I knew, like it was so weird to rewatch it because I felt so <laughs> on the same wavelength of it. Like I would just start to say the lines and I had no idea that I knew the lines to the movie. Also, it revolves around a kid who is about your age. Yes. Too. Yeah. So, you know, you can identify with John Connor as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's my story. When's the first time you saw Terminator 2? I think I saw it opening weekend on the big screen. Um, oh, and by the way, I had never seen Terminator. Did I already say that? You did say that. I had never seen that. Had you seen Terminator before going to see Terminator 2? I'm not sure. I definitely did not see Terminator on the big screen when it came out. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it on home video before I saw Terminator 2. Um, I know it was a, like it was a big movie among like my circle of friends. Uh I remember people were really excited about it when it came out, but for some reason I just never saw it. Yeah, I must have seen it before Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Um and it's good. It's a good action movie. Uh it's much more lean than Judgment Day. Uh yeah. I mean it's a it's a pretty tight story, I think. Uh, from what I remember, Sarah Connor is not much of an ass kicker in that one. It was kind no. of a reimagining of the character for the sequel. But yeah, I, I think it's uh, a good, scary action movie with a great villain. So I went back and rewatched Terminator either in high school or college. I still had never seen it for years. I just watched Terminator 2. And I was like, oh, I should go watch the original. And I watched it. And I've only ever seen it once. So I kind of want to go back and watch it again. But... I remember being like, this, I, I don't like this. Hmm. Like she's not, she's really weak. <laughs> the guy who comes back to protect her is the one who's doing all the fighting. Yeah. From what I remember, there was a really weird sex scene with like, uh, what is that called? That music from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> uh paul simon's graceland no like the the sound of it it's like electronic or something sure just synthesizer synthesized sex- yeah, yeah. yeah a synthesized sex scene <laughs> <laughs> from what i remember i don't know if this is true at all but these are the things that i remember about it and she had a bad haircut and <laughs> that's not fair to say but it's true but she was just like she didn't believe him at first and then she falls in love with, and it was all just about him, about the guy who came back to save her. Okay. And maybe she does save herself at the end. I can't remember. Do you remember? Does he die? And then she saves herself. Yeah, I think so. That's cool. I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't like it as much as Terminator two. Okay. Other than identifying with the, uh, with the leads, uh, what did you enjoy about, oh, uh, w- should we keep talking about me? <laughs> I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I think, I think I must have still, I think I remember seeing this in Williamsburg, uh, where I would have been wrapping up my senior year of college in 1991. So it must have come out like maybe in May, like when the school year was still on, or maybe I was still hanging out for a couple months, finishing up classes. I don't remember. 
but I, I think I remember seeing this with my roommate Christian uh, in Williamsburg, Virginia. Okay. Somewhere. Because I know he was very excited about this movie. And I think he was a big Terminator fan and a big Arnold fan. Yeah. In general. Uh, and yeah, this movie has always been in my top 10 for 1991. Mm-hmm. It still is. And after rewatching it, uh, it's also in my top 10 for 1991 still. It's so great. 1991 was such a great year for film. It was. You want to know my top 10 for the year? Sure. Uh, a couple of which we have covered on Craigslist, so of course they are higher. My number one for the year was Barton Fink, of course. That was higher than Silence of the Lambs? That was higher than Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's right. We did two. it on the list. <laughs> yeah. Number three is Cape Fear. Oh, yeah. I liked that movie a lot. Did you see that in the theater as well? No. I saw it on video. I think it was a little too adult for me to see in the theater. Yeah. It's pretty creepy and scary. I should go back and watch it. I wonder if I would hate it now. I know there's a you, horrifying, like a lot of bad stuff happens to women in that, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know if it'll hold up for you. Yeah. Based on your present tastes. Uh, speaking of that, number four is Thelma and Louise. Oh, yeah. Number five, JFK. Mm-hmm. Good movie. Six, The Fisher King. Yep. Good movie. Seven, Hearts, Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse. Oh, God. I had to watch that in high school. You did? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the documentary about the making of Apocalypse yep. Now. Why did they show it to you in high school? Because we read, uh, what did we read? Uh, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness? Yep. That's really a stretch by your teacher. <laughs> I don't know. She was a good teacher. Okay. Number. How else would I have ever seen that movie? <laughs> uh, you have an interest. That's on in, your top 10 list. You have an interest in filmmaking history. Uh, and that is 15. a, that is a great documentary about, the making of a movie mm-hmm. and of all the things that kind of went wrong. Uh, and it was, it was all footage that Coppola's wife shot, mm. uh, on location while they were making it. Um, but there's some great Brando parts in that. Anyway, we'll talk about that more when we get to apocalypse now. Uh, number eight, Christoph Kislovsky's the double life of Veronique. Nope. <laughs> number nine is Terminator two. And number 10 is defending your life. So that's my top 10 for 1991. And I would say I would keep Terminator 2 right where it is. I don't know. I think it's better than some of that other stuff. (laughs) But okay. Cool. Uh, All right. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Now what? Okay. So this is a 17-minute episode (laughs) of Carla's Uh, List. Okay. Hold on. Let me think. What else can we talk about with Terminator 2? Well, certainly it was a movie that my whole family could watch together, which was nice. And it's great because it has... Um, humor in it, even though it is very sad and action packed. Why is it a movie for your whole family to watch? I think my dad really liked it because it was an action movie. Yeah. My mom, I don't know why she would have liked it, but I just remember we all watched it together. My brother was really into it. This would not be a movie for my family to watch. Really? Yeah. Like, what did you guys watch together? We would watch like Schindler's List. <laughs> we would watch like dramas like Amadeus and Out of Africa. We would, my family, we would never watch movies like that together. <laughs> never. We, it would either be really silly comedies or action movies. My mom would never watch an action movie. Um, and pre, you know, this movie's pretty graphic too. So in profanity and, uh, yeah, and violence. So yeah. Um, 
My dad will occasionally go see something, but I, I don't think he would go see Terminator 2. Yeah, I don't know why. And this is, this is a strange thing to say, but in my view, Terminator 2 is just like a different kind of action movie. It's not, I don't know, maybe it's because of Linda Hamilton's character or maybe it's because of the topic of like nuclear war or whatever. It's just, it has a much, um, uh, more, it has just a bigger impact, I think, than a typical action movie mm-hmm. and a bigger, a larger emotional impact. So it is a drama, really. Yeah. I think it's pretty clever. I mean, it's smarter than most movies of its type. Uh, and it's got some interesting big ideas. Yeah. In there. And the, I mean, the basic plot of it that, uh, and we were saying this as we were watching the first third of it is I don't remember if the trailers at the time revealed the twist. It, they must yeah. have. We should talk about that. So the twist that is, and everybody knows this, but that Arnold is the good guy in this one because he was the bad guy in the first one. So if you're watching the movie only knowing it is a sequel to The Terminator, you really are supposed to think that Robert Patrick is the Terminator that's there to protect him and that Arnold and it's everything is staged uh, and edited that way to make you think that. So it it's a really cool twist when it happens. Yeah, I didn't remember that at all going and watching it this time that that was supposed to be a reveal. Yes. Because it's just Arnold Schwarzenegger is the good guy in this one. But then the first 15 or 20 minutes, you think that he's the bad guy, the bad Terminator. And it's really well done. It's so well done. And the, the moment when the moment that you discover as the audience that he's there to help John is the moment that John discovers it. Yeah. When he's turning to run away from him and then Robert Patrick comes out and you think he's going to go to Robert Patrick and Arnold Schwarzenegger says, get down. And he shoots Robert <laughs> Patrick. It's so good. It's such a good reveal. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, Sarah d- does not know that when the Terminator shows up. Right. You know. She just recognizes him as the, the guy who tried to kill her. Yeah. So that's another good moment as yep. well. Um, and then, I mean, I do like time travel things where somebody has to stop something from happening in the future. So. Yeah. Uh, I think if you think about the logic of it, it probably does not hold up. And I'm sure there's tons of stuff on the internet right. uh, telling you that. But, I mean, as, as a movie device, um, the idea of you in the future sending this person back to help you as a kid is like, yeah. it's uh, it's a pretty great plot idea and really well executed. And the I characters think. just work so well, I think. Like Sarah Connor, the first time you see her, she's in a an insane asylum, basically, right? And mm-hmm. the psych ward. And you think that she's crazy, like not having seen the first one. It's like, why is she so crazy? <laughs> and then you realize that she's been dealing with knowing that there's going to be a nuclear war for years. And just like the emotional toll that it's taken on her. It's so believable. Yeah, for a sequel, I don't really think you would have had to see the first movie to understand everything I that's didn't. happening yeah. in this. A hundred percent. And they do a great job with the voiceover as well, with Sarah Connor's voiceover. They give you enough background. And I think it's a pretty logical extension of if the first movie really happened in Los Angeles in the mid-80s, this is what would happen. People would think she's crazy. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. She's trying to tell the story. 
And now she's kind of like trying to back away from the story, you know, realizing how that makes her look Mm -hmm. uh, and that the technology would be saved, you know, by these defense corporations. And, you know, that that's how they're going to make Skynets uh, all, all based on the the leftover technology from the first film. Yeah, it all it all tracks in a really cool cool way. And even finding out that she raised John basically on the run and like in Mexico and she taught him, she like hooked up with guys who could teach them how to use guns. Yeah, survivalists. It, it, really believable, I think. And uh and it all pays off cuz then you get to see John um you know, like with his hacking stuff. Mm-hmm. His hacking information that he has. And, but you believe it because you're like, oh, he's been raised in this way to, to just survive. Yeah. And he's got to, you know, come into his own as the leader in the future. Yeah. You love it, don't you? <laughs> it's a great movie. You just had a, a face like that. So smart. It's a great, it's a great movie. It's uh, such a great movie. I can't believe it. I'm not even a big James Cameron fan. I will make this argument, rewatching this, uh, as, as a great quality that he has. And I think this goes along with Spielberg is just clarity in action sequences. Mm. And I think there's a lot of, big budget directors and definitely in this day and age, everything is cut faster. And sometimes it's so chaotic that I don't know what the fuck is happening. It's too much information. In action sequences. Yeah. Uh, I really feel like it was the born sequels, especially with Paul Greengrass, who I think is a great director, but uh, those are the movies where like everything's happening so fast. I don't even understand it. Yeah. You know? But Cameron is great at cutting together an action sequence where it's like, here's what's going on. Here's a truck. Here's a car. Yeah. Here's the LA River. Here's this character. Here's the, here's this character. And I mean, that should not be underrated as a quality. Right. Because th- that's part of what makes something so exciting where you really understand what's at stake, what's mm-hmm. moving at what rate and, and everything. And a lot of people cannot pull it off. And just the ability to, and using an improv term to heighten from one thing to the next, meaning like each action sequence heightens somehow. Like you see a semi truck in the beginning and then Robert Patrick gets into a semi truck at the end and you think, Oh, we've already seen this, Mm -hmm. but then it's a semi truck that's full of liquid nitrogen. (laughs) Yeah. So like the stakes are higher. Like you don't want it to crash. Right. As the viewer, because they make it clear that it's full of liquid nitrogen. So it's like a nice heightening move, I think, to not just be watching the same. That's my, that's my biggest problem with action movies. And I feel like Mission, Mission Impossible, which when I, I do enjoy those films, but, or even the James Bond movies, but sometimes it just feels like the same level of action sequence again and again hmm. to me, uh, and throughout a movie. And I think in this one, it like gets crazier and crazier in a really, cool way yeah it depends because they've had different directors for all of the mission impossible movies i mean some i guess the last one that i saw is what i'm thinking of yeah um but definitely that uh was it ghost protocol where he's climbing the uh the world's tallest building like the yeah that was brad bird directed that one Mm -hmm. like that was well done um i always like those movies but just sometimes i'm like i'm just the action sequences just feel like okay another one okay another one yeah and in this one it like heightens with the story too 
And bottom line for any action movie is you have to care what's going to happen to the characters. Right. If you don't care about the characters, then it's just some stuff happening. Some stuff is blowing up. People are shooting at people, mm-hmm. you know, but you, you want to feel for the people that are involved with it and you want to be afraid that they might actually be harmed. You yeah. Know? So it, it starts with acting in the first place. Do you know what my favorite action sequence is in this one? Please tell me. The one, uh, in the, uh, psych ward. <laughs> Oh, it's sure. like the most, it's just them running around, <laughs> beating each other up. Yeah. Basically, it doesn't involve helicopters <clears throat> or semis or motorcycles. And it's, but it feels so scary to watch it. Like yeah. you just want her to get out of there. <clears throat> get out. Yeah. And then when they're in the elevator and Robert Patrick, the T-1000 is sticking his knives through the top. Mm-hmm. Like that feel, that's such a visceral, <laughs> like, oh God, like you're, you're trying to duck to get it as you're watching it to get away from his blades. It's so great. Now this movie was really revolutionary in its use of CGI, right? Which I thought was going to bug me rewatching it, but this feels like the right amount of CGI to me Mm -hmm. rewatching it. There's a couple sequences that feel a little, um, primitive, primitive, but I actually like that with the story. You've got a bad guy who's made of liquid metal, you know, so I think they really get the most out of that. I mean, at the time that this came out, I mean, it blew people's minds. Nobody had ever seen anything like that. Me too. Yeah. I guess he had used similar effects in the abyss, you know, a couple of years earlier, which, Mm -hmm. you know, was one of the first examples of, uh, that, that liquidy, (laughs) uh, morphing. Right. Um, but you know he really puts it to good effect in in this movie and yeah. i think it still holds up totally really well especially that shot of uh the T1000 uh the floor him emerging from the floor yeah. like that's so iconic so and good. cool and even just him being shot and like seeing the bullets just go through him and create that giant hole <clears> and then how it fills itself back in yeah the sound effects are really good with that too and Robert Patrick is a really good actor. He's wonderful. I wish he would come back on the X-Files. I think he's the only one who hasn't. Did yeah. It, didn't Annabeth Gish make another appearance on the she X-Files? Did. Yeah. But he, he didn't. And I wish he would. Yeah. I, you know, I did want, did not watch the X-Files when it came out. As you know, I've been slowly, I still have not watched all, uh, I still have not watched all of eight seasons, eight or nine, yeah. which is when they were phasing out Mulder and Scully. But, uh, Although that the seasons that he were on, he was on were very kind of uneven. He's very good. He's great. In it. He's a great character on it. I, I, uh, liked, I came into the X-Files like maybe halfway through and then I stopped watching it cause I got so sick of the cigarette man stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this isn't going anywhere. Is that his name? Uh, the, the smoking man, the smoking man yeah. or the cigarette smoking man, whatever. Uh, but not the I, cigarette man, whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, but then I started watching it again when Robert Patrick came on because I loved him from Terminator. <laughs> yeah. And I really got into it and I watched it with him on it the whole time. Obviously, when I saw this movie, I'd never seen him in anything before. Um, but you know, d- definitely watching it now of like, and I gotta say, I gotta say hats off to Arnold too. You know, yeah. I actually think that Arnold gives a really good performance in this. It's, Hard to be that deadpan and expressionless, and they both right. do it so well. And that was what makes the uh, T-1000 just one of the scariest villains in all of 
movies, I think. One of the only things I didn't like about rewatching it is because I was so appreciating how he, how just emotional, emotionless he is the whole time. Yeah. And then at the very end, when Sarah's about to shoot him, he puts up his finger and he wags it like, no, no, no. And it's like, no, he doesn't know what that is. Yeah, Don't yeah. fucking do that. Like you're selling out the idea that he's just a machine Yeah. for Robert Patrick. I mean, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, we're supposed to understand that there's a bond growing between him and John, which I think also works because we know <laughs> as the viewer that the machines take over, right? And start killing everyone. So it's nice to see this kind of bond that can happen between a machine and a man. I think that's interesting. You thought the finger wagging was a, uh, was a detriment. Yeah. I, I definitely just for Robert Patrick's character. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is indicative of a weakness of James Cameron is that his, his tastes and tone can be slightly cheesy at times. Uh, and, but Hey, the guy has made more money than any other filmmaker, sure. right? You know, more so than Lucas and Spielberg, I think. Uh, cause I mean, Titanic, at least average per movie, right? You know, he knows how to make a crowd pleaser. And you'll even see like some of the background characters or extras, like they're a little over the top in their reactions to things. It's not as grounded as other filmmakers might make it but uh i mean he knows what he's doing to please a crowd but i think more so than some of his other films this one does a good job having the different tones and i think it is based on the relationship between john and the terminator Mm -hmm. which is like john's like come on man you got to learn how to speak the speak you know talk the talk or whatever speak the speak (laughs) (laughs) and he like teaches him different sayings like that's so sweet to me and he like talks to him john says things to the terminator like things that he wouldn't tell anybody else and so that stuff is all very cool and believable to me yeah this was the time where people were starting to put arnold in more comedy type stuff yeah and realizing that his stiffness could be put to good use uh we're still recording right yeah oh good and uh i thought that uh, I, I think there's just enough comic bits with the Terminator, you know, to, to give it a lightness and to add a little more fun to it. Yeah. But for the most part, it's, it's treated pretty seriously. And I, I, I was surprised by how good I thought Arnold was in this. Yeah. Watching it again. Yep. Um, and then towards the end of the movie, I had this like real life thought, which is, oh, this guy is a sexual predator. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, yeah. Which, is terrible and i don't know i'm still having such a conflict with that when we're when we watch stuff which is like oh i i totally forgot up until the last 15 minutes of the movie that i'm supposed to hate this guy sure or that this guy in real life is a jerk which we all knew before he was elected governor by the way yes we did (laughs) like the stories that i had heard about arnold schwarzenegger when i was waiting tables (laughs) Yeah. Which was before he was even running for governor years ago. Like I knew that he was like, everybody would be like, don't work at planet Hollywood. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like there were some, with some of the people that I waited tables with, they had some horrific stories about working at planet Hollywood. Don't blame me. I voted for Ariana Huffington. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Wasn't that the year? Well, or was that the primary where they were like, I did not vote for 50, her. Either. Fifty candidates for governor, and a lot of yes. them were celebrities. And some of them, were, one was like the porn star or yep. whatever her name was. She's still around, right? 
Uh, I'm not sure. What's the lady with, um, she drives the pink Cadillac? Angeline. Didn't she run? Uh, she might have, yeah. Yeah. Is she not a porn star? I don't know. I'm sorry. She is, she is not a porn star, but there was also a porn star there who was, was running. There was, okay. Yes, Mary something. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I voted for her. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't remember who I voted for. Who we, are record, we are recording this on April Fool's Day, by the way, so <laughs> all of this could be a lie. I could have hated Terminator 2. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, anyways, I just wanted to acknowledge the conflict and also say, like, I don't know. I'm still going to try to watch the Woody Allen movies. and I don't know. It's are you tough. really? I don't know. Because I have a contingency plan. I go back and forth. If you're not willing to watch them. I love Annie Hall, though. Like, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't watched any of that stuff recently. So. I thought we had agreed that when I watch Manhattan, you were going to watch the Muppets take Manhattan. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might do that. I don't like Manhattan. I've never been a fan of that movie. Yeah. Well, I'm giving you, I'm not counting any Woody Allen movies you don't want to watch. I'm not counting that against your three. I just want you to take them off so that you don't start to build a reputation. (laughs) (laughs) As a guy who likes Woody Allen? Yeah. I think I have that reputation. It's not a great social, social media climate. I don't, for, for, you know, (laughs) I don't lead with it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't introduce myself to people and say, like, by the way, I have seven Woody Allen movies on my <laughs> top 100. <laughs> oh, it's such a weird. Yeah. You're weird. <laughs> well, and I love you. I love you too. Uh, you know who else is a good actor who's in this is Joe Morton. And he's the, uh, therapist, he, right? No, he plays Dyson. The uh... oh, of course, he's wonderful. Yeah, he's my second favorite performance in this. Really? Yeah, Linda Hamilton is my number one, and then he's number two. He's he makes me cry so hard. Like I cried today watching him. Yeah, his oh, death scene. His death scene is devastating because, oh, it's just and the way that they have him die, like how he's running out of air and he's like hyperventilating. Yeah, it's so moving and upsetting but he's a great actor he's good in everything that uh, yeah that i like him in. a lot yeah but i always think of him as a terminator 2 guy that i love <laughs> whenever i see him in anything um but the therapist actor is great too yeah yeah he's a good creep and he was in the first one yes he was which i didn't know until i watched the first one years later and then i was like oh he was a holdover from the first experience but I don't remember necessarily if he plays the same character or is it just the same actor? I think so. I can't see you when you do that. <laughs> do you, you could probably just sit up too if you wanted to. I'm having a good time. <laughs> Craig records most of these laying down. <laughs> because it is like therapy for me. Okay. <laughs> I actually am sitting straight up with my... <laughs> Best posture. Well, congratulations, Carl. You're welcome, ladies La-dee-da. and gentlemen. La di da, la la. What else you got? Um, I yes. we we should say that we watched the director's cut. Oh, right. Which we would did. not have been our choice. But I was very upset. I thought Craig was tricking me into watching a version that I didn't 
recognize, but then we, then I realized it was the only version available online. <laughs> and so it was, you've tricked me before into watching director's cuts and by trick, I mean, trick. you don't tell me. And then trick. we're watching it and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This scene doesn't make sense. And he's like, Oh, it's the director's cut. And I'm like, Oh, got it. Sometimes directors need to be told what to cut is, is the lesson I've learned from Terminator to the director's cut. Yeah. I don't know if it was a trick so much as a treat. Uh, uh but yeah, this was about 15 minutes longer and everything, everything should, that was added that should have been put cut. in should have been cut. It's a much better film without these extra scenes. Like the one that drove me the most crazy was the fantasy sequence between Linda Hamilton and the guy from the first one. Yeah. So she dreams that he comes to her and tells her, I don't even know what the, what he was telling her. I was so distracted by the weird music and her, she was in a slip. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is and this? They start making out, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Sarah Connor should not be in a sexy slip. This is wrong. Yeah. Uh, that was a terrible scene. Then there was another scene. Oh, where they remove Arnold's chip in his head. Yeah. And she's about to, uh, destroy it. And John convinces her not to destroy it. Yeah, the acting was not great in that, no. you know, because it, it's it's a dumb scene. It doesn't yeah. need to be in there. It's melodramatic. Like, it does, you know. So all those, you know, who knows whether it was Cameron who made the cuts or the studio who pushed for them or whatever. But yeah, you you, you didn't need any of the extra stuff. It did not add to the movie. Then there was a scene where he was teaching Arnold to smile, and it felt like a scene from Kindergarten Cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In general, you know, when this is a you know slightly leaner movie, there's less. It, it makes sense on its own. Like you yeah. don't need to explain the themes to the audience as much as you think you do. Agreed. So do not watch the director's cut unless you're curious to see what those scenes are. Was there another one that? Oh, then the one where Rob, where the T1000 kills the dog, Wolfie. Yeah. Or not Wolfie. Uh. Well. That's the fake name. Wolfie's the, the fake name. Yeah. What's his real name? Max, Max or something. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that felt gratuitous. Certainly, uh, I, we never like any dog killing scenes. No. And it's not in the original or yeah. it's not in the, yeah, yeah, the original. And that scene worked great as it was a revealing that his foster mom, uh, who is Vasquez from Aliens, uh, yeah. is, uh, is actually the T-1000. I mean, it's, it's such a cool yeah. scene. Uh, and it stood on its own as perfectly fine. You don't need to then go kill the dog. Right. Yeah. Something that we, we watched this in a couple installments cause it was upsetting because, um, <laughs> I hadn't forgotten this necessarily, but it affects me differently now because I didn't grow up in a time where there was threat of nuclear war necessarily. Oh. And now there is threat of nuclear war again. And this is a really hard movie to watch right now. I think, um, under those circumstances, those kind of world threats, which of course it's always been a threat, but it wasn't in the news as much when I was growing up. It was when you were though, right? Well, I mean, certainly we were alive at the same time in the eighties, but yes, uh, I mean, as a, as a teenager in the eighties, it was something that we talked about and thought about it a lot. And there was so much like art and music that was based around, you know, yeah. nuclear and war. And I just didn't register any of that. I don't think you I were too, y- too young for that. Yeah. And then, so then once Gorbachev came in, the Berlin wall fell, it felt like, Oh, all this stuff is done. The cold war is over. We no longer have to worry about nuclear war again. 
which was certainly in retrospect a naive point of view. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that definitely adds to the stress of it watching it now. Yeah, I got stressed out uh, watching it. <laughs> I was making breakfast for a while this morning and kind of tuning out some of the movie. Uh, but I feel like other than the Joe Morton's death, which I kind of missed, um, I didn't really miss much of that sequence because it's, it's one of my least favorite things about action movies, which are just long, long sequences of people shooting at each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me is, is the least interesting kind of action scene. It's just, and partially probably because of my distaste for guns right. in general, but it's just, it's uninteresting. It's not like a truck chase or a helicopter chase, you know, which are, or just a, or a hand to hand fighting. You sure. Know? But having said that, watching it, he doesn't kill anyone. That's the cool thing is like he's promised John Connor that he won't kill anybody. So he does all of these things with guns and there are no casualties, which to me is interesting. It's a different take on just a yeah. shoot him up yeah. action sequence. It's a more emotional relationship based thing. He wants to respect John's wishes. And then we get a sense of who John will be as a leader by telling him that he can't kill people. Hmm. That's a good point. Thank you. That's a good point. Uh, I ju- but not even talking about this movie specifically of just like long scenes of people shooting at each other. Yeah, no, I agree. Generally not interesting to me. Um, but that's a, again, like what I was talking about with heightening earlier, it heightens in like the opposite direction where he can't kill anyone. So it's like him finding creative ways to get them to back off. I'll say like two other like action movie tropes that I think this covers very well and it is, also, the idea of like a former bad guy redeeming himself, learning to be a good guy is a mm-hmm. good angle to it. And also the fact that he's the old model. So it is a little bit like the aging gunfighter in the yeah. Western, you know, who like has to defeat the young buck. Yeah, you know? totally. So everything about the technology of the 1000 is so much more advanced than Arnold. And like definitely at, at the end, like it adds to the poignancy of like how beaten down he is and all that makeup of like, you know, the, his robot face under his, you know, under his rubber face and, uh, you know, all of his parts being exposed and everything. Like, it's really cool. Well done. I, it's so, it's so well-written. Like, it's just such a brilliant idea to go from the first movie, which is a human is sent back to protect Sarah Connor and Mm -hmm. the Terminator is sent to kill her. And then somebody had the idea of like, oh, let's send a Terminator back to protect John. It's just such a good idea. Like, how did they think of that? Because they could have just done the same movie again. You know what I mean? Like, it could have just been Arnold coming back as the bad Terminator. Yeah. And like the adult John coming back or something. I don't know. It could have been anything. And they did such a good job of flipping it. Agreed. (laughs) It makes me very excited. It's so creative. So is this an A for you? I think I wanted to talk about something else first. What was it? Oh, shoot. Oh, I just want to talk about the things that I would change if it were made today. Okay. <laughs> Please. Um, the things that I would change is I would have Sarah Connor kill the T-1000 at the end as opposed to Arnold. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she, there's this amazing sequence of Linda Hamilton. She's been shot in the leg. She's been, uh, the T-1000 has put his 
whatever that blade is through her arm. Yeah. So she can't move one of her arms and she's just hopping along and she has this giant gun in her left hand and she's shooting him. And he, each time she shoots him, he backs further clo- or closer to the, uh, the hot lava, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> uh, but watching her, uh, cock the gun with one arm the way that she swings it around it's so crazy impressive like Linda Hamilton was really doing that yeah uh, and then she gets him to the edge and she's out of bullets and from a movie making point of view yes this is this is like suspenseful and then Arnold comes uh, like he's holding onto one of the gears and he it like rotates him around and he tells him to duck and then he has the last shot to send the T-1000 over the edge. But how cool would it have been if she had, if it hadn't worked and she was like, shit. And then she got the gun to work. Right. It's the old, I got the jar started for you thing. Yeah. <laughs> he has to come in and finish, but yeah, uh, but she warmed up the jar. Um, yeah, I'll buy that. What other changes? I think that's it. <laughs> there is one other moment where, they're leaving Skynet or whatever it's called, whatever the place is called that becomes Skynet uh, after they've blown everything up and he, Arnold breaks through the wall to save Sarah to pull her out of the gunfire. And when he pulls her back through the other side of the wall, she does a spin like a ballerina and it looks really weird. <laughs> and I would take that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, how many of the sequels have you seen? Oh, that's right. I wanted to talk about that too. I did see the one with Claire Danes. And uh, Nick Stahl, right? I remember that being okay. Like not great, but Yeah, I don't fine. remember. I remember maybe being entertained, but never thinking about it ever again. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the one with Christian Bale. I think we saw that together, right? And I don't remember anything about it. And Sam Worthington, I think, is in it. Oh, that's right. And he's like the hero in it, right? Yeah. But then Arnold does show up at some point right i have no i don't remember at all i remember bryce dallas howard plays john's pregnant wife yeah and she has this terrible (laughs) scene that's in every fucking movie where the wife is like trying to inspire the husband they're like alone and she's like just being the supportive wife and i remember just thinking ugh, this again (laughs) which is what i felt about the post with tom hanks and what's her name who's such a great actress what's her name What's her name? She's on American Horror. She Oh, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Ugh. That stupid scene in the post. And then I think there was one more mo- <laughs> movie sequel that we did not see. What was it? The most recent Terminator movie. I don't oh, think I, I even it. saw it. And then did you ever watch the Sarah Connor Chronicles? I didn't because it was like, I don't know why I didn't. Wasn't she just like sexy and running around <laughs> in a tank top or something? Or am I totally misremembering? Is that Dollhouse? Maybe I'm thinking of Dollhouse. Was the same actress from Dollhouse, Sarah, and Sarah, the Sarah Connor Chronicles? No, Sarah Connor Chronicles, it's Lena Headey. Oh. Cersei from Game of Thrones. She's great. Yeah. I think they were both on Fox around the same time. Maybe that's what confuses you, Dollhouse. And uh, I, I did not watch Sarah Connor Chronicles either. But I think the point is... That's interesting. Cameron considered the story to be done after Terminator 2. Yeah. And, I mean, he might have had producer credit on this other stuff, but it was 
completely written by other people. And I know the mythology has changed in each of the sequels and in the TV show. Yeah. Because they have to come up for, for reasons, uh, for Skynet to attack and the world to end and right. everything. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like a, a cheap way to keep a franchise alive. Yeah. It when- doesn't feel I, the two movies that I saw, I was like, these don't feel like they're even the same. Yeah. Like they felt totally different tone wise and everything. I get it. There's money to be made and it's, you know, it's such an iconic character and it's a pretty cool world that they created with it, you know? So it feels like there should be some more story you could squeeze out of this, but it, it it feels like a violation of the closure of that this movie provided. Right. It like pulls the rug out from under it. Hey, guess what? I forgot. We have to do Craig's quotes. You ha- do you have quotes? I have a few, yeah. Okay. Uh, and this will take us through the movie. Sorry, guys. Just deal with me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll be back to normal next week or in two weeks. She's feeling her oats and Carla's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Craig's quotes. Okay. Uh, so August 29th, 1997 is the day the nuclear bomb hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I wrote that down. I just thought it was fascinating that now it's in the past. And when the first time I saw it, it was in the future. <laughs> it's almost 21 years in the past. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, but it's 2029 that he's being, that we see John at the beginning mm-hmm. as a, as the leader of the humans. Yeah. Um, so we see the playground go up in flames from the nuclear blast, which I was reading online and I guess they really studied how that would work. And the people who, uh, work with nuclear weapons said that it's the most realistic descriptive depiction of what a nuclear bomb would do. Yikes. Yeah. Which makes it more horrific. They should have played Madonna's. This used to be my playground. <laughs> uh, so as the playground was burning, Craig said, that doesn't look good. That's where we're headed. <laughs> That's where we're which headed. Was my, <laughs> which was when I started to feel really scared watching this movie. Um, so in the, so it's a do, 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 do. And you see like the playground on fire. Oh no, I'm sorry. This was the, this was in the future, 2029. So we see that playground, but then we see it later in her visions. Right. So we see it in the future and it's on fire. And then Linda Hamilton's voice comes up. Do, 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 do. And, uh, I said, that's a killer opening. Don't you think? And Craig said, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's wait till the jury is in. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to give this movie too much credit that quickly. <laughs> I did. I, it's one of my favorite openings, just in terms of how effective it is, how emotionally effective it is. You're already scared in the first two minutes of the film. Okay. Do you have to go? No. Okay. Um, so then when Arnold Schwarzenegger appears, he's naked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes into the bar. Into the, into the bar to get clothes. And this is, this happens in the first movie too, which is how they're setting up the idea of like, oh, he's a bad guy again, I think. They're trying to tie it into the first film. Is that right? Am I misremembering that? It's a very similar scene, I think, where he gets clothes from a biker bar, right? Yes. Uh huh. And 
Craig go because he walks in and there's like country music playing and like some of the women are dressed like punks punks and craig goes is this a biker bar a heavy metal bar or a country western bar <laughs> and then at the end you decided it was a biker it bar. was definitely a biker bar yeah yeah but they have eclectic music taste uh i was reading online that james cameron and this could be a total falsity that's on imdb but that he said that they shot that the night of that rodney king was beaten and it happened across the street like it was the biker bar across the street from where that happened. Yikes. I have no idea if that's true. That's what really? IMDb said. I think may, and maybe this is just kind of retrospective. Like that's also part of what makes Robert Patrick so effective as a villain in this is yeah. he looks like those white cops that beat up Rodney King. He yeah. looks like the kind of guy that worked for the LAPD at the time. Yeah. You know, of I didn't this, even think about that. Yeah. Of this clean cut, but racist. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Know. Um. So when I first realized that I knew the lines from the movie was when they show Sarah Connor and she's been, she has such a fucking cool entrance into this movie. She's in her cell and her bed is turned upside down and she's using it as a pull up bar oh, and you yeah. just see her muscles and she's like sweating and the doctor checks in on her and she's like good morning dr silberman how's the knee <laughs> and then you find out like he, she had just stabbed his knee <laughs> recently yeah. with a pen or something um da, 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 da. oh there's just to go along with that whole idea of how they it has great comedic moments that don't pull focus from the dramatic tension when sarah's watching so she's she's up for pro- probation is that the idea like she might be released or, put, sure. you know, taken to a a different kind of prison. So it's not like a psychiatric prison. Um, and she's with the doctor and she's watching a video of herself from months prior. And she's like screaming and crying about the nuclear war that's about to happen. And, she, and present day Sarah is just watching it and smoking a cigarette. And then the video cuts off and she goes, I feel better now. <laughs> and it's so funny. It's really funny. The juxtaposition of her seeing her screaming and crying and cutting to her just being totally normal yeah. and cool. Uh, and of course she's lying cause she's trying to get out of prison. Again, it's got a good blend of how much comedy to introduce into it without tipping the balance too far the other way. Totally. So they're at Sherman Oaks Galleria, John and his friend playing video games and Craig said, nice mullet to the kid who has the mullet. <laughs> that kid has a crazy ass mullet. And he was in other stuff later, right? He He's familiar to me. Oh, I don't know. I should look that up. I will. He's a redheaded guy. You can tweet at us too if you want to. I'll retweet it. <laughs> if you're listening, kid with the mullet in Terminator 2. No, it, I'm not talking to him. Let us know who you are. Um, You're talking to Carla's listeners? Yeah. Uh, and then it was, we had just walked along the LA River a few nights ago. Yeah. And then so seeing this amazing action sequence on the motorcycle with Arnold and John and the big semi following them down the LA river. It's so, I always, gosh, I always forget like we live in LA and there's so many iconic things that we see all the time that I saw when I was a kid and had no idea. Yeah. This is yet another movie that I have not seen since moving to LA. And yeah, you see it in a whole new way. You have much more of a sense of the geography of things, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, you got really upset when they were, they go to Mexico and they're getting gas 
and there's a bunch of kids running around and they're like shooting at each other with toy guns. And I think you thought they were real guns. I didn't get that, but if this was in one of the deleted scenes. So I think, right. uh, they introduce it in such a weird way in the movie. And then it's obvious, you know, because it's the thing of Sarah as a voiceover. Yeah. As you see these kids clearly playing with t- later. toy guns. Yeah, yes. later. Uh, and I knew, I remembered those kids. So I was like, I why are you so that. upset? They're toy guns. Uh, yeah. And then, so the kids are fighting with toy guns and, um, John says something to, to the Terminator about, violence or something mm-hmm. and Arnold says well it's in your nature to destroy yourselves <laughs> and Craig said very timely <laughs> <laughs> and that's it that's all I got I'm sorry those are some hot ass Craig's quotes you don't talk that much though no I did my best but then I also got to a point where I was like I just want to watch this movie I don't want to take notes on it that's fine <laughs> <laughs> again it's very difficult and challenging you know yeah uh, I, I think the things I do are not fully appreciated of the amount of <laughs> I appreciate them. Preparation. I've said that before. I've said that before. Um I'm I feel and maybe Sarah or maybe Sarah Connor, maybe Linda Hamilton <laughs> didn't want to work as much after this. I'm not sure, but I don't know the circumstances of her personal life or her, you know, goals. So whatever. This doesn't I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I just, I feel as a, such a fan of this film and of her work bummed out that she didn't either take more opportunities or were maybe not, was maybe not given more opportunities. Like she really didn't do much after this. Um, like she's been working consistently, like she's a working actress, but it's never, I don't know. I just feel like she could have done so much. It's surprising. It's surprising. And it's a bummer. And I just think it's such a perfect blend of strength, but also she's a mom, like it's maternal strength and you don't really get to see moms portrayed this way ever. Yeah. And I think it's really moving. (laughs) I'm going to start crying, but like, I can't think of another uh, story like this where she's just doing everything to protect her son and she's yeah. Sacrificing everything to keep him alive. Which we've seen in other stories, but I'm talking about and like represented in this very physical, yeah. like f- physical body way. Mm-hmm. And then so the, because she is so strong physically, the moments when she breaks down, like when she goes to kill Dyson and she can't do it, like that's so effective because you understand where she's coming from. And how she's a mom and she's a, she's a woman who just got caught up in this whole mess. I will agree. Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, I wish we had seen Linda Hamilton and more stuff after this. Yep. And then James Cameron, boo, left her for that other lady in Titanic. <laughs> Again, I don't know their personal lives. Maybe, sure. maybe they were both unhappy, but whatever, James Cameron. <laughs> I hope she got a lot of money from him. <laughs> So is this movie an A for you? It's an A. It's not an A plus, but it's an A. I don't know. Have I given an A plus to anything? A few things. Like what? Do you remember? I think you gave an A plus to Big Night, but you were also really drunk. Oh, I was drunk. Yeah. (laughs) But that's a good movie though. Um, I'm going to assume Sound of Music. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Dog Day. E.T. Yeah. Yeah. 
Those were, that's what I have as my your top five. This is a very close A plus, and I'm embarrassed that I gave Big Night an A plus and not this movie. So we can switch those out if we need to. Okay, Big Night now just an A. Yeah. Terminator Two an A plus. Yeah, it's it's great. I'm so excited that it's that it held up for me. <laughs> I was really nervous after the White Christmas debacle. <laughs> Um, this movie really held up for me in a really cool way. Would you say this is a top 20 movie for you? Totally. A hundred percent. This is one of your 20 favorite movies. I would say so. I hope I remember that a year from now when you ask me again, (laughs) since I don't list things in this kind of way, uh, or remember, but yeah, as of right now, like this is a movie I feel like I could watch next week again. That's cool. But I fast forward all the really sad nuclear war parts that freak me out. It takes a lot, though, to get you to go see an action movie in the theaters now. Yeah, sometimes. You said you would go see Ready Player One. I will. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to go see a superhero movie Mm -hmm. because I've seen a lot of them and I never remember them afterwards. They don't affect me in a way that they obviously do to so many millions of other people who go to see them again and again. Uh, I really liked Wonder Woman a lot. I will go see, I would see that again. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another. I liked Galaxy. What was it called? Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. I liked both of them. I know people didn't care for the sequel that much. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would watch either of those again. I'm trying to think of action movies, but that's a superhero movie, right? So what's an action movie that came out recently? I mean, I, I would include superhero movies as action movies. Yeah, but there's a fantasy element to it, certainly. Like, what's an action movie these days? Uh, John Wick. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I, I go see most of the Marvel movies. I do not go see the DC movies. I don't even know the difference. Um, you don't have to tell me. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I go see Mission Impossible whenever it comes out again. Sure. And I'm sure it will Those in a couple years. Yeah. I go see the 007 movies. You really did not like the last Bond movie we saw. Yeah. I really didn't. I don't remember it at all, but <laughs> yeah. I remember not liking it. Yeah. That was Spectre, I believe. Yeah. It was very long. Um, yeah, It's just interesting to me because I, I don't think of this as your type of movie, Terminator yeah. 2, but it, but it totally is. It totally is. <laughs> I, I'll give it an A-. minus. Yeah. That's great. I'm so happy. Okay, should we improvise? Sure. I always wanted to know what happened to John and Sarah right after the Terminator goes into the hot lava. <laughs> it's not <laughs> lava. What is it? Uh, I don't know. It's liquid metal of some kind, right? Yeah. It's not. They're not on the edge of a volcano. No. Yeah. They're in some sort of industrial making machines, <laughs> which is interesting because he is a machine. Yeah. Uh. I always wanted to know what happened to them in the moments after that. Okay. So can I be Sarah and you can be John? Sure. Okay. Well, we should go. Mom, let's just have at least a few minutes to mourn the loss. John, you are the leader of the human race. You do not have time for emotion. (laughs) I'm an 11-year-old kid. Let me be an 11-year-old kid. I'm sad. (sighs) I'm sorry. You're right. I just saw my best friend melt. You're right. I'm sorry. But we can't stay too long because what if he comes back? They could come back at any moment. Oh, Jesus. Are you serious? This this last week has been the most stressful of my life. You never know, John. You have to be careful. You always have to be careful. Okay. Stop yelling at me, Mom. (sighs) 
Your muscles are rippling. <laughs> You're too intense sometimes. My leg has been shot and I have a blade that went through my arm. I'm in pain. Why can't you just be a normal mom? Why do you have to be so tough all the time? Oh, well, let's go get some ice cream. Where do you want to go? I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a ride either, do we? Oh, my God. You going to hotwire another car? Calm down, John. Calm down. I've got this under control. Now I know that we blew up Skynet, and I know that all the chips have been destroyed, but something could still go wrong. Okay. Stop being so paranoid. Let's go to Foster's Freeze. I love the hard chocolate-covered yeah. vanilla ice cream cone there. There you go. There's a Sarah Connor that I know who loves ice cream. <sighs> oh, shit. It's a Terminator. I told you. Run, Mom. Run. Scene. Scene. That was really good. That was that was riveting. That was my favorite we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because I was so good in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all about you, yep. isn't it? Everything that I experience, good or bad, is uh, affected through how I actually experienced it. Well, Craig's listeners, I hope you enjoyed this brief detour from Craigslist to visit a movie on Carla's list. We always will uh, interrupt the list occasionally to get some of Carla's favorites in there, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I teased the next movie on Craigslist already, but... Uh, at the beginning, I was saying I don't have many nuclear war movies, but this is totally a nuclear war movie. <laughs> uh, in fact, it's a nuclear war comedy. Wow. So maybe that's the best way of dealing with your stress Be about nice nuclear cleanser. proliferation is being able to laugh about it a yeah. little bit. Uh, this movie is directed by Stanley Kubrick. It came out in 1964, and it's called Dr. Strangelove or How, how I, I Learned to Love the Bomb. How I Learned to Stop Worrying. And love the bomb. Okay. Uh, so we'll see you next week for maybe number- next week, maybe in two weeks. We'll see you. We'll see you at some. We're point doing in our the best, future. you guys. We live in different cities. Bye. Do 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 do. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.